0: It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by 90min, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and we're going to be continuing our reaction, continuing uh, the fallout following Arsenal's 1-1 draw with Benfica in Rome last night. I said last night that I was I was disappointed. The overriding feeling was one of disappointment because it felt like a game that Arsenal should have won. It felt like a game in which Arsenal created enough chances, chances and defended well enough uh, to have come away with a positive result. A result that would mean um, that we would go into the second leg with, with some sort of advantage. Now, we do have an advantage in the sense of the fact we scored an away goal. Um, and, and we know, it, despite both sides having to play their games in neutral venues, that away goals uh, are a thing in this year's uh, competition. But when I say an advantage, I mean a lead. I mean, Arsenal should have gone, in my opinion, uh, or should have come out of that game with a 3-1 lead at minimum. You know, I thought Arsenal uh, carved out the opportunities that they needed. Unfortunately, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, despite scoring a hat-trick at the weekend, just didn't have his shooting boots on on the night. Um, And I just hope that we don't live to regret that. And I know... um, when you look at what Benfica brought to the table yesterday, they didn't look particularly inspiring. They don't look like a side that we should be majorly fearful of going into the second leg. But it just feels a little bit Olympiacos-esque, doesn't it? After what happened last season, um, where Arsenal really should have put that tie to bed and ended up being eliminated um, in really dramatic circumstances. So, yeah, um, last night it was a, a feeling of largely of disappointment. Today. I'm a little bit more content uh, with the result. As I said, I would be uh, because of the fact that, you know, we, when you miss chances like we missed, it means it's not your night, right? And, and you miss those chances, but you still come out of the game with an advantage, which we do have an advantage, as I said, the away goal um, going into that second leg. And I know, you know, in the event that the game goes to extra time, uh, Benfica would essentially have an extra half an hour to get an away goal. So in that sense, maybe they've got the upper hand. But if the tie was to finish nil-nil, if nobody did anything in the second leg, um, Arsenal go through. So there is an advantage there. Uh, obviously, picking up um, the away goal w- was crucial. And I like the way that we responded very, very quickly uh, to finding ourselves behind because we didn't deserve to be behind. And it would have been very, very easy to kind of sink um, mentally and almost you know, drop our heads and, and end up losing the game 1-0. So I think that kind of spirit, that kind of mentality is something that Mikel Arteta has added to the side. I think we've been better in that sense uh, since he's taken over than maybe we were in years gone by. Um, I touched on, on a lot of the individual performances last night, so I don't really want to get too deep into that again. Uh, but what I will say is, still feeling disappointed, still feeling a little bit downbeat about it, still still feeling a, a sense of regret, uh, still feeling as though Arsenal should have come away uh, with a bigger score and a score that would make the second leg essentially a lot more comfortable. But it's not the end of the world. And as I said, based on what I saw from Benfica, I'm not sitting here fearful necessarily of what's going to happen in the second leg. So that's probably something to take encouragement from as well. Big hello to everybody joining us in the live chat. Hope you're all well. Don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you smash the like button, make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new. It's very, very much appreciated. Um, really, really does help. And a big thanks to everybody who joined us on on the shows yesterday. Uh, first of all, the the live watch-along Um, I think we've had around about five and a half thousand views on that, which is incredible. So thank you uh, for your support. And thank you to everybody who watched the watch along and then stuck with me afterwards for the review show as well. Um, So really, really appreciate that. If you are listening via the audio platforms, feel free to come over and check the YouTube channel out because the watch alongs are only available on YouTube and the watch alongs. you know, are, are a great bit of fun, and it it feels like I said yesterday. It feels like I'm literally sitting there watching the game with hundreds of mates. So brilliant uh, interaction from you guys in the chat. Also, this podcast is sponsored by Manscaped.com. So if you're in need of some uh, male grooming, um, if you're looking to buy a gift for someone, that's a bit of a laugh. If you're looking for um, something to tackle. Uh, the uh the forbidden forest <laughs> head over uh to manscaped.com and enter the discount code which is 90 min2090 min20 and you'll receive 20% off your order as well as free shipping. Uh right, let's go over to the live chat. Uh pick out this one first from Edward who says absolutely love the watch alongs. glad you're enjoying them, mate. Um It's brilliant to have you guys all on board. Uh, Big hello to everybody else in the chat as well. I can see there's plenty of you in there. Uh, Anish Thomas says the draw felt like a loss. When a draw feels like a loss, it normally means that your team played well. And so although we can't be completely satisfied with last night, um, take encouragement from the fact that the draw felt like a loss because it feels like a loss because we should have won it. It feels like a loss because Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang um, should have buried a couple of chances. And look, I can forgive him for two of them. The one I, I struggle to forgive him for um, is the uh, the one where, where Hector Bellerin rolled the ball across the penalty area. That was a glorious opportunity. But as has been discussed um, in some of our comments on, on Facebook today, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has got previous to this, you know, and, and it's not to knock the player. Like his goal-scoring record since he came to the Emirates Stadium, is is sensational. He's been brilliant. Um, But Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, throughout his career, has missed opportunities. He's not as clinical as some of those stats maybe suggest. And and you just wonder, don't you? Imagine how many goals he'd score if he was just that little bit more clinical. But as I said on the show last night, I found the way he tried to take the chance. And I'm talking about that uh, one in the first half where the ball was played across essentially the edge of the six-yard box. I found it strange the way he took that. You know, as a right-footed player, you think he'd kind of shape his body and, and and shape his body in a way where he could open it up, use that right foot and guide it on target and obviously having that protection of it, of skewing it wide left. Maybe he didn't want to be read by the goalkeeper. I think that's probably the thinking behind him, letting it run across his body and, and trying to put it in with his weaker left foot. But ultimately, he miskewed the finish and um, fingers crossed we're not left to rue that missed chance. Uh, big hello to Adam, who says, hi, Harry, and chat. Very poor performance last night. Too much backwards passing. Oba should have buried at least one of those chances. If we play like this, we won't achieve anything. Um, Oz says, afternoon, Harry. I think it also doesn't help with the other PL teams that perform much better, scoring four plus goals. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't bode well, does it? Um, what else have we got? Um, Gary Dean says Guna till I die, yeah." And I will watch the games, but I do not, and will no longer support Arteta and Aubameyang No more overrated Arteta. Get out of my club. How can people pin yesterday's yesterday's um, result on Mikel Arteta? I, I, I don't understand it. The manager's job, right, is to tactically, mentally, and physically. Prepare the team for the task at hand. Arsenal went out on that pitch yesterday, created more chances than Benfica, had the lion's share of possession, created clear-cut opportunities, by the way, and defended effectively for 90 minutes. You know, it was one error that led um, to the penalty from which Benfica scored. But Arsenal were the far superior team. So how anybody can blame Mikel Arteta for that is beyond me. I mean, I get it. And uh, I get that people are are still on the fence about him. And I get that people are unsure about him. And and people are also entitled to, to believe that he is not the right man for the job. That's absolutely fine. But when you're talking about last night's game in isolation, if you're pinning it on Mikel Arteta, if you're looking at Mikel Arteta as the reason Arsenal didn't win that game last night, then... You you're running an agenda. It's as simple as that. And I hate using that word because I know a lot gets made of that on social media and, and you know people are always quick to jump on it. But when we when we don't perform as an overall unit, when we don't perform as a team, when tactically we get outdone, when um the management of the game itself is handled incorrectly or in a way that isn't effective and leads to Arsenal not winning a football match or losing a football match, then I get that. But the overall setup, the overall performance, all of that was right. And that is what Mikel Arteta's job is. Once those players cross that white line, it is their responsibility um, to deliver. And it's their responsibility to carry out those instructions. And in the moments like we just talked about, they've got to take those chances, take those opportunities um, and make things happen. so I get why people are unsure about Mikel Arteta. I just think to, to, to pinpoint him as the reason we didn't win last night, it just feels agenda-driven to me. And I, and I, I can't really accept that. I can understand criticism about Arsenal's overall league position, which ultimately um, the manager is responsible for. I'm OK with that being questioned. I'm OK with questions being asked um, about sort of his suitability off the back of that. But I'm not OK with him being blamed for the game yesterday. I just, I just don't see it like that. Um, Saeed Abdullah says, uh, good afternoon, Harry. I've seen people question Smith-Rowe's ability and now I can see how stupid people are. Yeah, Arsenal fans in general have just become so reactionary. And I, I question if some of those people are actually Arsenal fans. If they can watch one game of football and come to a million and one conclusions off the back of one performance, it's like they're just, they're just nitpicking. You know, nitpicking is, is is not okay. I think you can be frustrated in the heat of a game and, and be disappointed after it. Um, but I think you should be sensible enough later on to look at the bigger picture. If you're talking about systemic issues, if you're talking about issues within the side that continue to rear the ugly head, continue to be a problem, then fine. You can talk about those and you can criticise those. But Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who's been an incredibly prolific goal scorer since arriving in the Premier League, um, missing a couple of chances is something a manager cannot legislate for. And we all knew, didn't we, that when, when Mikel came in, his uh, first remit was going to be to tighten us up defensively. That's always been our problem. Goal scoring hasn't. And it's we've come to a point now where our lack of ruthlessness, our inability to be clinical in key moments in games is now what's costing us. And at the start of the season, especially having signed Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang down to that new contract, I don't think anybody envisaged that that would be our issue. And it seems to be our issue in the last few weeks. We made chances at Villa. We didn't take them. We made chances at Wolves in the first half and we didn't put the game beyond doubt. So putting those two games to one side, there has been a massive upturn. And the reason we didn't win those two games was because at Wolves, Although the referee completely screwed us, we still had the chances in the first half to put it beyond doubt. And we didn't do that. Again, a lack of ruthlessness, the inability to be clinical. And at Aston Villa, again, you could argue that we had enough of the game uh, to get something out of that. And unfortunately, we didn't. Gunatel says Buck stops with the manager. Harry, we're in a results business. I will be extremely critical if we do not progress next week. Yeah, that's right. Uh, And and you're right to be clinic, uh, to be critical if we don't progress in the europa league because it's the only competition now um that right now feels like a route back into the champions league which is ultimately our goal for the season but what i will say tell is it's fine to be critical if we don't progress but we haven't not progressed yet so people just need to chill out a little bit um, and give the manager a break here. Uh, so Brian says, totally agree, Harry. It's not Arteta. JG10 says, I'm really relaxed about the second leg, starting to see why Benfica are having such a bad season. Uh, into says, said it from the start. Arteta is a clown. You didn't make, like Emery and made it clear, mate. Yeah, I, I didn't like Emery. Um, I didn't like his management style. I'm allowed to have a preference on management style. Am I not? Am I not allowed to have a preference about which manager I personally think in the longer term is going to succeed at Arsenal? It's my preference. It's my choice. Just like everybody else is entitled to their views. It's my view that Mikel Arteta, given the time, uh, will make Arsenal a better side than they were under Unai Emery. That's my opinion. That's my view. Um, and I've backed that view up time and time again on, on this channel. When and, and I also I've said it already in the show. I accept that that's not the view of everybody and that's absolutely fine. But criticism or criticism is something I, I'm I'm OK with. I'm OK with taking it for me. I'm OK with getting criticised for my views and my opinions and my thoughts. I'm also OK with the manager being criticised when the points are valid and when the points um, make sense. To criticise Mikel Arteta, as I've said, for the... the the way we've played this season overall and the fact that we find ourselves in mid-table and all of that is absolutely fine with me. I don't necessarily agree with it. I think there have been other reasons why we find ourselves in that position, but I accept it. What I don't accept is a game in which Arsenal should have run out 4-1 winners. I don't ex- I don't understand why Mikel's getting the heat off the back of that. Um, it's as simple as that. Um, what else have we got? Um Into Yannan continues, so it's okay not to pick Emery every week to pick on Emery every week. But criticism of Arteta seems a crime. No, I've I've not said that, and I've criticised lots of the things Arteta's done. I just think in the bigger picture, he will go on to be better than Unai Emery was at Arsenal, and Unai Emery might go on and do great things at other clubs and has done good things at other clubs. I just didn't feel he was the right fit for Arsenal at a time where our most iconic greatest ever manager had just left the club, He and he left the club in a pretty bad state. I just felt that like we needed someone with a more clearer view, with a more clearer plan, with a clearer... Outlook on the on the, the way to take the club forward. Then Unai Emery, Unai Emery didn't have a clear plan. He didn't have a clear outlook. He chopped and changed things every week. We went from being super defensive to super offensive. There was no balance. There was no improvement in terms of the culture around the club. There were bad apples who were were rotting on the field in front of us every single week. So with Mikel coming in and trying to address that, I think it shows that he does have a clearer plan. Um, Whether that plan is going to come to to fruition, whether it's going to benefit us in in the long run remains to be seen. But that's how I see it. Um, And that's why I I feel the way I do about the two managers. Um, Let's see what else we've got here in terms of your comment. Uh, Steve Stone says, I honestly believe we'll win the second leg. I didn't see anything from Benfica. That scares me. Um, Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. Um, Got a comment from Thomas says, going back to my Fernandes comment yesterday, and, and Thomas brought up a, a comment in the post-match show. For those of you who haven't seen it or heard it, where he said that Arsenal needs a Bruno Fernandes. Essentially, um, he said he doesn't mean we have to buy players grown on trees. Rather, grow grow players or do the proper scouting. Maybe someone in the current squad could be a candidate. Yeah, you're looking for players all the time to step up and and take the mantle. You know, and and Bruno Fernandes, you can tell. When you watch him, you know, you only need to watch Manchester United once to understand how important he is to that team, to the way they play. Um, He motivates those around him. He doesn't accept low standards. You've seen him berate uh, some of his own players at times. You've seen him, um, you know, make his feelings known when he's not happy with something and, and and. You know, he's, a, he's become a leader, but he's earned that right to do that. He's earned that right to swan around the pitch and tell people what to do because he's dragged them over the line time and time again. You know, there could be players that in the future become that for Arsenal. Bukayo Saka, Emile Smith-Rowe, Martin Erdogan, if he's to stay um, beyond the, the uh, end of this season. There are candidates that could get there in the future, but right now we don't have that quality of player. And, and don't underestimate what an impact the player of that level can have on a club. As I said it yesterday, Manchester United have turned from a side who scraped into the Champions League um, to a side who are Manchester City's closest challengers as we speak. Uh, Alcarp says, I'm Arteta in, but of course you can question his decisions. But the fans have been extremely toxic lately. That's that's the point, you know, and people can, can talk about... Um, things that they feel that he may have got wrong and that's absolutely fine. But what's the need to go from, yeah, I think he he picked the wrong player to get Arteta out of my club. He's a this, he's that, he's finished, he's he's ruined the club, da-da-da. Why does it always have to be so extreme, one way or the other? You know, one way or the other. Um, Ricardo says he fixed the defence, but we're 10th. Yeah, we're aware of that, Ricardo. I think we all know uh, that Arsenal's league position is not good enough. Not once have I sat here and said it's acceptable. Um, He's fixed the defence and we're malfunctioning up top. And we have been malfunctioning up top all season. Maybe the the fact that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang signed a new contract made Arsenal, made Mikel Arteta a little bit complacent in terms of where we were as an attacking force because we were so reliant on his goals. He scored 29 goals in all competitions last season and we're over halfway through the season this time and he's got 11. So Aubameyang's dip in form um, has been problematic. Maybe Mikel should have done more to foresee that. Maybe Mikel should have focused on other areas to try and make sure that in the event of Bamiyang's form wasn't what it was. Um, you know, we uh, we had alternatives, but ultimately hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? And, and the point I'm trying to make and why I, I do feel a bit of sympathy for the boss is that I don't think he could have foreseen Bamiang's drop-off in form. I don't think he could have foreseen Arsenal missing so many chances um, in, in certain games. So he's seen it now and he should be aware of it now. And as long as going forward, he corrects it. And by correcting it, I mean, doesn't keep giving opportunities to people who just aren't delivering. Then, um, then that's, I guess, at this point, all we can ask. Uh, Marshall says, hi, Harry, what's your prediction for the City game? Would you be happy with a draw? We're going to look at the City game uh, on the uh, later stream today. Uh, So stay tuned, turn the notifications off, uh, off, on, I should say. Um, Make sure you're subscribed if you're not. And um, we'll be coming back uh, just after five o'clock with another show today. And in that game, we'll be turning our attentions fully uh, to that game against Manchester City this coming Sunday. Um, What else have we got here in terms of your comments? JG says, Man City, for Man City, we need to rest players. See, Napoli, Leverkusen, AC Milan. And even Leicester get bad results has given me hope in the Europa League. Um, What else have we got here? Uh, Sooty FM says the same 11 players can't play every game. Players become better when not playing in the fans' eyes. When Pepe was starting, he wasn't good enough. When he's on the bench, he should have started. Yeah, in the the, uh, Pepe situation, I've got a little bit of sympathy for him, though, because he was playing well prior to being dropped out of the side. And you could argue it was the best football that Nicolas Pepe's played in his Arsenal career. But the reality is that the, the nature of this season, the fact that the games are coming so thick and fast, the fact that the games um, are so condensed and the fact that in terms of the proximity between each one and the fact that um, Arsenal have had so many injuries, I think when we saw him left out of the Leeds game, lots of us were looking at it and thinking, well, Aubameyang's back now, which is obviously one factor Um And obviously, Nicolas Pepe's played a lot of football lately, so maybe uh, this was the right time to give him a break. I've got to be honest, I thought that Nicolas Pepe was in with a shout of starting last night. He didn't. He came on as a substitute. Um, But it's it's healthy to have that... um, It's healthy to have that competition within the group, within the squad. And you look at that game against Manchester City, and, and we have got the opportunity to to rest players, to shift players around, to, to freshen things up. And you've got the likes of Lacazette, Pepe, you know, you, Kieran Tierney looks as though he might be ready to come back into the side. You know, there, there are players that, you know, you look at the defense, Rob Holding can come back in. Pablo Marie could potentially come back in. So Arsenal have the players now, now that most people are fit to be able to freshen things up on Sunday. So, we're going to have to manage the squad effectively. There are going to be games where players are going to be left out because perhaps they're not 100%. And we as fans, we won't always know that. You know, we won't know how Nicolas Pepe's trained through the week. We won't know if the medical staff had advised Mikel Arteta that Nicolas Pepe was heading towards the red in terms of the risk of picking up an injury, for example. So there's a lot of sports science stuff that goes on behind the scenes that as fans, we are not privy to whatsoever. And sometimes we just have to accept that football is a squad game now. It's a rotation game now. You know, very few top sides um, play with the same starting eleven every single week. Liverpool have been living off of that for a couple of seasons and it's worked to great effect. But now they find themselves where they're in a complete mess because, all right, complete mess is a bit strong. But in terms of where Liverpool were last season compared to where they are now, You know, you could argue that the fact that they have had such a small squad, the fact that they haven't rotated um, and then they've lost a couple of players, uh, important players as well, has meant that they're now well off the pace and and nowhere near achieving what their goals would have been at the start of the season. So football is a squad game now and and Jurgen Klopp has learned that this season as, as better as anybody. The reason Manchester City are top of the Premier League is because they have the deepest squad. People would argue that Liverpool's first 11 when everybody's fit might even be better than City's. It's a a debate worth having. But City have the depth. City have the squad. and Pep Guardiola can make those changes, can rotate players, and as such doesn't necessarily damage the overall quality of his team. And that's why they are the best team in the country at the moment. So it is a squad game. It's the reality of modern football. People don't like it. I get that. People want to see the same 11 playing every week. But the way football has become, in particular in this season where it's a a season where we've started it late, yet we still have to finish it on time because of the European Championships in the summer. You've got to understand that more now than ever before. Um, Keir Ellis says, Odegaard looks very good, but maybe needs to strengthen up and slightly use the right foot a little more. Fantastic talent nonetheless. Yeah, he had another decent game last night. Another decent performance. And he's almost, he's purring Martin Odegaard. You know, he's, he's looking good without really exploding onto the scene. You feel as though there's more to come from the player and he's only appeared four times for Arsenal, right? So we've got to be patient. I know it's difficult to remain patient when you know that it's a very short-term deal, but you know, I think he's, um, I think he's looked pretty good and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can bring to the table between now and the end of the season. And I'm hopeful that if he does continue to perform, Arsenal can come up with some agreement with Real Madrid that will see him stay beyond um, beyond um, beyond the end of the season. And that leads me on to an interesting question, actually. Uh, I've written an article for 90 Min, which is due to go out a little bit later on today, where I looked into which one, if we could only keep one, of Danny Sabayos and Martin Odegaard, you would like to see the club move to sign permanently. And I want to know your thoughts. Let me know in the live chat. Who would you rather Arsenal went out on a limb to bring to the club on a permanent deal? Martin Odegaard or Danny Sabayos? Let me know in the chat. Sabayos, by the way, was sensational yesterday. I thought he was brilliant. Arsenal's man of the match. Um, really set the tempo in midfield. Pressed very well. Um, worked very hard. Um, you know, played some really key passes as well. I thought he was really, really good. Um, but Yeah. Uh, Mike says in the chat, where is this uh, comment gone? There it is. One thing I've learned in the last couple of weeks or months, we're overhyping Cedric over Bellerin too much. And it seems like it's from these YouTube fan TVs. I don't think that Cedric is Arsenal's first choice right back. I've never thought that. I just think that um, he did well when he came into the side and he's done well having to play on his wrong side as well. And I think he deserves credit for that he's done a very very decent job but Cedric Suarez was brought into Arsenal to be a squad player right that's the bottom line and he's only been playing because Kieran Tierney has been unavailable so it's not an overhyping of him it's just giving him recognition for the performances that he has put in over the last few weeks and I think for the most part barring one or two moments I think he's done really really well don't underestimate how difficult it is to play as a fullback on your wrong side, to still get forward effectively and contribute to the team in that sense, but to also provide some defensive solidarity. I think he's used his experience and I think he's given a very good account of himself. You can see from the chat that most of you would, would probably prefer to see um, Martin Odegaard stay at the club. Um, Adam citing the reason that he's got a higher potential ceiling. I, I probably agree with that. Ceballos has been and we talked about it a couple of days ago didn't we you can check that show out we talked about Ceballos in depth and the fact that he has been just a little bit too inconsistent for me um, overall during his Arsenal tenure that's not to take away from what he did last night I thought it was very very good but overall it's just been a little bit hit and miss with uh, with Danny Ceballos um what else have we got here um just picking out some more of your comments JG on the subject of picking between the two, says it's too early to decide between Odegaard and Tobias. That number ten position is so important to us, so we have to get it right. Yeah, it is a, it is an important position. Um, did What else have we got here? Uh, Suti FM says fourteen games left, including most of the teams above us. If we win fifty percent of them, that's twenty-one points. We'll do well to make European place this season. Odegaard has been a superb signing. Yeah. Um, Odegaard has, has been impressive so far for sure yeah look the league group is looking is looking difficult isn't it it is looking difficult but in this strange old season I wouldn't rule anything out I just I guess for me the reason why I'm kind of leaning towards prioritising the Europa League now is because I don't trust Arsenal to to come up with the consistency that's required to close that gap on those teams in the league so um it feels very much like the Europa League is is the most important thing now and and, and should be the main focus. Uh I hope I've said that right, says, uh, Greetings, Harry. Watched last night's game and was rather disappointed by the lads' performances. But for Sabios Sob- and Odegaard were the only real standout performance. Um, but for me, Ceballos was man of the match. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I thought he was definitely man of the match. And like I said at the top of the show, look, I'm not massively disappointed with the overall performance yesterday. I'm just disappointed with the fact that we were unable to take those chances, to be clinical, um, to put the ball in the back of the net when it really, really mattered and essentially kill off Benfica. Because let's let's be honest, you know, had Arsenal taken their chances, Benfica would have been dead and buried in this tie. And the second leg would have been a bit of a non-event. Just want to touch on some of um, Mikel Arteta's, um, you know, comments uh, as a, off the back of the game. He was speaking, obviously, in his press conference after and I think just some of these are, are just worth sharing that kind of highlights that the manager is is just as frustrated by what happened yesterday as we are as fans he said on a fuss, he was asked about a frustrating game he said yes it's exactly that i think we had to leave the stadium today with much more than we have right now. Everything is completely open for next Thursday. We have some positives to take from the game because we dominated it and we have patches of really good moments where we created some big chances. But we weren't ruthless enough in the opponent's box and the disappointing thing is obviously uh, the way we conceded the goal. He was asked about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's performance. Of course, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, the culprit, in terms of missing those big chances that fell Arsenal's way. And he said, these things happen. He was on the end of the biggest chances we had tonight. He was a real threat and we played against this opponent with a high line. Uh, They propose all the time. He was unlucky, of course, not to score two or three tonight because in normal circumstances, that wouldn't be the case. Um, He was asked a little bit about Bukayo Saka, but it was pretty much um, the same. He's talking about uh, the guy's influence, um, and and how well he's doing. He talked about the difficulty when it comes to managing his minutes as well. You know, a very young player who Arsenal really, really do um, need to protect, you know, because he is so key to the future. But Kai Osaka faced the media as well, and and he was asked uh, about his thoughts on the result, and he said, frustration. You know, we felt like we had the game in our hands from start to finish. We dominated them, and we just needed to put our chances away. We conceded a goal that I didn't think was a penalty, and that's what they really created in the whole game. I think we dominated it and deserved more. So Bukayo Saka also feeling a little bit frustrated um, by the way things unfolded in Rome last night. We're going to come on to talk about the weekend's game against Manchester City on our second show today. Um, so I look forward to joining you all um, round about, well, I'm going to say 515 Um, This evening, so 5.15pm on the YouTube channel live, the podcast uh, version will be available first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, So I look forward uh, to to hearing you guys' thoughts. And as we look ahead to as we sorry, as we put the Benfica game behind us. We now look ahead to the big Premier League clash with Manchester City this weekend. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you're interested in becoming a member, click on the link in the description. Welcome to all those new members that signed up last night during the watch along. If you haven't done so already, make sure you come join us in the Discord server. Leave us a like on your way out. And if you're listening by the audio, make sure you leave us a review. Until next time. Ciao.